0: linebacker Dan Hanley, and you're tuning in with Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Eppner and Dale Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Online Aura, Athletic Greens, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Walkenstein. How are we feeling?
1: Feel great, Jake. It is Thursday, August 6th. That's not true. August 3rd at 6. And we've got NFL football on the screen. Does it matter? Who knows? But. It's a great day to be alive. Chargers fans, You got a great show for you. Welcome to Chargers Unleashed Live. Again, for folks who have not done this, this is on you. Go ahead and give us your topics, questions, thoughts, ideas, uh, hot takes, whatever it is you'd like. And we'll go ahead and do our best to try to get to those, bring them up live on the screen and discuss with you. Jake, how are you doing, my friend?
0: One full week of training camp is officially complete. Today, obviously, was an off day for the rest of the players before they resume practice tomorrow. But, Dan, I mean, there's been a lot, and I mean a lot, of takeaways from this last week of training camp. Obviously, they started with pads earlier this week. You've gotten a little bit more intensity that has ramped up in practices this week. But there's there's a lot to talk about in this. And you and I, I, I feel like... I'm sick of hearing your voice. I want to hear everybody else. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure relates, they are all too. <laughs> it's to hear to hear their comments as far as their perceptions, their feelings, their takeaways from Chargers training camp. Uh, always enjoy doing live shows like this. And as we gear up for this weekend of the rest of Chargers training camp, as we move to their first preseason game next week, I'm sure these storylines are going to heat up that much more.
1: Yes. Uh, let's get to some of these comments. Uh, we've got a f- bunch of folks in here. We've got Athir in here, friend of the show, uh, wants to talk to Dan. Let's talk coaching please, Jake and Dan. Athir, right, give us your question on coaching. We'll bring it in, I promise. Uh, bunch of people saying hi. Ken Mary, friend of the show from Charger Bolt family. Are you ready for some football? Chorizo con Papa, let's effing go. Dorian is also saying, or Darian, excuse me, says let's go And then a fear, of course. Let's go. He's bringing the fire. Uh, Matthew Dawson right off the bat. First question in from Matthew Dahl. Why is there always an injury in its offensive (laughs) lineman? Always. It's one
0: of life's great great mysteries, truly. But good news is it doesn't sound like that there is anything imminent or serious with Trey Pipkins at the moment.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: If there is, (laughs) that'll be a much different story considering the free agent offensive lineman class that is out there currently right now. I know that they currently have been working a lot with Foster Surrell the last four days that Trey Pipkins has not been in practice, but we'll see where it goes again. I don't expect there to be any long-term injury status with Trey Pipkins and even if an injury does happen, it's better that it happens now and it's short-term rather than taking place during the season.
1: Yes. Uh, we got a question in here asking about uh, the event that we've got going live, which, mm. Jake, this is a great uh, segue. So I'm going to share my screen here so we can kind of show some folks what the exciting thing is that we got coming, pl- coming on for you guys. Uh, the Bolt Show. I'll put the question here first just so folks can see it here, if I can pull it up because I'm taking forever. Uh, Ethan asks, you know anything about autographs from the players? Is it first come, first serve or just random? Uh, it is going to be first come, first serve. So how it, how it works, I have the event on the screen here. It's called The Bolt Show. Brought to you by Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. Uh, they've got a ton of dudes, ton of Chargers fans that are going Chargers players who are going to be there. Uh, you got folks like Asante Samuel Jr., Tooley, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Quinton, Corey Legit, Isaiah Spiller, Eric Kendricks, and Max Duggan, all of which will be there on September 2nd. Tickets will be available. Uh, we have them online uh, for folks who are interested. Now, how it will work. It's going to be staggered in terms of folks and players that are going to be in there at uh, certain times. So, for example, we got someone's going to be coming in at 10, someone's coming in at 10.30. We've got the flyers all pinned up on our uh, Twitter handle but in short it will be aligned for each of them you put in your requests and then you are good to go you can bring in your stuff with you I believe they'll have some memorabilia there as well if you can't be there live you can also go and mail in your memorabilia to them and they'll go ahead and have everything uh, signed and delivered back to you uh, if you have any questions feel free to DM us message us we'll figure that out but other than that it should be a fantastic event Jake and I will be there as well Uh, Should be a fun time. So highly recommend folks go and check out the Bolt Show September 2nd at the Marriott Anaheim Suites. Uh, Going to be a fun time. Uh, We'll also be doing an insane giveaway as well there that we haven't even talked about yet, but uh, can't wait. So, Jake, we've got a lot of stuff in the books already. What would you say so far is biggest storyline in camp <laughs> biggest number one
0: how do you not start with what this Kellen Moore offense looks like e- even in talking in practice Dan so this is about there's one of the smallest sample sizes you're going to get in a in preseason and <laughs> to see Justin Herbert airing it out and to see so many wide receivers I'm not just talking about one because we know what Keenan Allen's going to do but we know what Mike Williams is all about Joshua Palmer has obviously stepped up from the standpoint that the chargers went out and drafted Quinton Johnson, his play in camp, especially this week has definitely elevated. And then for Quinton Johnson to essentially just hit the ground running that he did on day one, Dan, and has continued to do so with, it seems like another highlight real catch, you know, every couple of days, I don't remember this many downfield plays from not one, not two, but four of the chargers top wide receivers. I mean, it's, it's big time. You can't ignore this. And to be watching this in, in practice on the sidelines, again, I say small sample size because you know, even in the preseason games, you're not going to open up the, the full playbook. We're not really going to see the full look to this offense until September. So there's a lot of time to get excited and hyped up about what Kellen Moore is going to bring.
1: There is fellow Chargers podcast, guiltiest charge. What's up, gents? Have a great show. Shout out, thank you, appreciate it. Uh, We'll see you on Saturday. By the way, Uh, we have Lafb happening in here, saying what's happening, boys. Uh, Lafb always representing. Uh, Guiltiest charge also says, rest in peace, Pac twelve. Yeah, it was real. It was fun. (laughs) Uh, Wheezing, coughing wheezing coffee <laughs> always super high preseason but long time fans know deep down see jake it's funny that's like you and me split down the middle like starts off optimistic halfway through turns pessimistic yeah. uh that's a vibe how are you feeling by the way jake on this in this preseason like is this preseason feeling any different for you than let's just say last preseason well yeah like, in like a good way or a bad way
0: Look, Dan. To your credit, I don't want to say it's completely you because more of it has been with the team because you're obviously the, you know, the optimist of the two of us. So you do you do what you can to try to put me in a good mood on this show. Okay. But but for me, you know, I'm like another you know of, of the minority of the Chargers fans or the majority, however you want to look at it. To that really just needs to see the team change for the better and do something well. This offseason, and it's funny, after last offseason, when the Chargers had all the money in the world to spend and you go out and you sign all of these free agents like Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, J.C. Jackson, all those guys, that was a killer free season from a spending spree perspective. But for what Tom Telesco, Ed McGuire, this front office, what they did in the draft, and then to bring in Kellen Moore, I mean, when you really look at every single move that this front office team in general has done, It's really successful. Hell, you go back to the four contract restructures that you had to do to get Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams all under the cap, and then, oh, yeah, you signed Justin Herbert, (laughs) which is the (laughs) highest-paid quarterback deal in the league right now. I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to be excited about the short-term and long-term potential of this team the way it's set up.
1: Let's get some of these questions. Uh, Scott Childs asks, which projected starter should play week one preseason versus the Rams? It's a very interesting question. Now, off the top of my head, I can think of a few. Kenneth Murray it's probably like the headliner of folks who are needing to get some reps to see what's going on. Jazir Taylor, I think, is another one. Um, again, we're talking starters. So which starter should play week one preseason? Probably throw Gilman in there as well. Would you put him in there? I would. would. What does he he have to prove to you that you'll see in week one in preseason?
0: I mean, yes. Is he he penciled in as your starting safety next to Derwin James? Sure. But I think just from the standpoint that, you know, for him, especially just getting some of those first-team reps, which you probably – it, until the later part of last season, he he wasn't getting that much of. So for me, I like to see him out there getting a few new reps because, and it won't be for long. Trust me, because you need to know what's on the safety depth. That's for sure. So <laughs> JT Woods is going to see a lot. Raheem White, True, but I'm just saying that that's probably where it's going to cycle. That's so. what I'm
1: saying. I would much rather see those guys play the entire game than see a snap from low Gilman at this point, hey. if i honest.
0: <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers, Dan. That's just this me. True.
1: Offensive side. Uh, personally, I don't need to see a snap from any of the top three, no, or four receivers. To be honest, like no, it's, we it's probably be... will. I bet you will probably see like a little bit of Quinn, a little bit of Josh Palmer, but the rest of it should be like wide receiver five, six, seven, eight, nine the entire way. Yes, Easton Easton
0: east stick behind the second string offensive line, and Isaiah Spiller will start the game.
1: that's how I see the starting offense going. Yes. Uh, Offensive linemen. Any of those you would see? Dan, you just had,
0: you just had had one go down in individual drills. I'm not putting any of the starting five out there. Interesting. Not a a chance. I mean, you, you bring up an interesting point though. Sawyer is an interesting argument for that, considering that he's flipping positions. Same with Zion Johnson, but I don't believe that he will just because, left guard has been his natural position going all the way to back to Boston college. But I would be wary of, of that. I would personally just go second string offensive lineman from the get.
1: I mean, I don't blame you. Uh, Which kicker starts, by the way, we're talking kickers. I mean, all the reports that you've heard this week yeah, Yeah.
0: has been nothing but Cameron Dicker. So I don't know if, if you're still hoping to utilize one of these guys as you know, possible
1: trade bait. Hopefully you have them both kick, but we'll see. Uh, Anthony Wayland. When I asked the question about biggest storyline, I believe this is his answer, but his answer was the fight and fight. I'm going to put in quotes because I think fight is a bit of a stretch, (laughs) a little bit of a kerfuffle, a scuffle. (laughs) Uh, What I will say, and you know, Daniel Popper talked about, he's the first one to break kind of the details of it. Uh, if you haven't got a chance, by the way, we had Daniel Popper on the show yesterday, and he slayed, by the way. Uh, tons of interesting nuggets. I guarantee you, you will probably learn something if 99% of ninety-nine percent of you will probably learn something, if I'm being honest. Uh, he talked about the, the scuffle, if you will, of Kenneth Murray Jr. and Gerald Everett. And then, Jake, I saw the day before, Gerald Everett and Eric Hendricks.
0: So Gerald Everett is just... Being an instigator in practice is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> I'm not saying you're putting words in my mouth. I never said I'm that. I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> kidding. After me, after I'm me. kidding. I don't need that. No, but I think what it's telling you is there is a different level of intensity. And like I don't remember the last time I saw a scuffle from the Chargers training camp. Like I've seen it on like, joint practices, for sure. Like, that Keenan Allen thing reminds me, like, that was hilarious, hindsight, but... I kind of think it's a little bit of a big deal. Not in the sense of, like, drama for the team or anything, but just, like, I think it shows the intensity and how much this team is, like, we're not messing around. And when you bring in some of that physicality from a Joan Everett, who always kind of brings that, but then you see kind of the emergence of or change of this linebacker unit... And then you kind of see like the defensive line, offensive line, you kind of see that kind of butt heads in terms of trying to do like goal line runs and stops. Like I got a little jazzed up when I saw that, like I, I, there was no negative to that from my side. What about you?
0: These scuffles happen in every single training camp, Dan. Um, You know, it's nice to see the intensity ramp up in that circumstance. Yeah. We're not talking about, you know, guys getting in a fight, trying to make a big deal about it. We're just talking about it in terms of player intensity. It, It happens every year. Whether we've seen it or not, Dan, it's always something there. Now, hopefully, speaking of scuffles, nothing happens on this team when it escalates to a level like Jamarco Jones, who was just cut by the Tennessee Titans earlier today, for picking, what, like four fights in camp, and one of the people that he chose to go after was Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, my <laughs> God. My God. stupid choice. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's beyond stupid. Now, that's when it escalates to another dramatic level. There's there's competitive intensity and then there's just stupidity.
1: Yeah. <laughs> James Wagner, friend of the show. Bolt up, guys. God bless. What a camp. And believe it or not, I just heard Dan Orlovsky giving high praise towards the potential of Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert and this Chargers team. Bring it, Miami. Orlovsky giving us praise. Us being this Chargers team. Um... <sighs> this feels like one of those, like, not necessarily with Orlovsky, but just generally speaking. I feel like there's a lot more, like, say less mentality within this Chargers team. And I think that kind of starts from, like, Brandon Staley with all the crap that he has to prove to people and all the naysayers that are going up against him. Then you got Kellen Moore, you got all these players, a lot of the fans who are being critical of them, and a lot of analysts like Orlovsky. Um, this could be one of those, like, glow up seasons that will be remembered for a long time. Jorge Rodriguez and we are live. I'm reading it like he has it with all the exclamation points. Uh, let's get to a question. Everyone hates my coach. Everyone wants him to be fired. Last season, and Coach Shanahan keeps getting his flowers. What has he done as an OC? Lost twenty to three in the Super Bowl. Had ten point lead in the fourth loss. So sounds like we're comparing Shanahan to Staley. Now. I think it's fair to say Shanahan has a lot more success and the coaching tree buds way more flowers (laughs) than what we've seen so far from Staley. But I think the point is still made that Shanahan hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. Like, why is he not being, why, why is his grave not being dug, but someone else's? Because
0: to my recollection, it seems like the Niners have been contending for a while now. It doesn't even matter who the hell the quarterback is. Look what the hell they did last year, essentially going through three quarterbacks. That's because the system works. The players on that team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, are monsters. And every year, he can get the best out of his team. He knows how to do that. Staley, look, I have respect for Staley. I have faith in Staley. He has not, he has not had the easiest coaching time since he has you know, been the leader of this Chargers team. He has made plenty of mistakes. He's made, he's kind of ridden that line between aggressive and scary and, you know, crazy and stupid at certain times. But it's, it to me, it's all for the better because eventually as a head coach, you're either going to get to that point where you need to put it all together or it's time that you just figure out, look, maybe he was just a better coordinator at the end of the day. And look, to Dan's point, the Chargers really shouldn't be saying anything after blowing a twenty-seven point lead to Jacksonville last year. Now I know we're trying to get ahead of that, away from that, and so is the so is the team, so is the fan base. I don't want to talk about that, neither does anybody else. But Dan, Chris, Harry said it on our show months ago. Time for talking is done. This team needs to finally show up and show out, and everybody who talks about the potential of this team because of the talent, they need to be able to put it together and they need to be able to win games.
1: Yes. Uh, lots of fun thoughts in here. The offense, according to Man 909 offense is going to blast off LA original, Jake. John Hightower better go off in the preseason. John Hightower has been a name that lots of people have started to hear about. But not and a name I've that been... we were expecting to hear about. No, you and I have been at camp And we've seen Hightower score numerous touchdowns and numerous deep plays. With the unknowns of Jalen Guyton due to injury and not being on the field. Aside from that variable, which is a big one, but aside from that variable, Hightower at this point has the inside track to wide receiver six and it's not close. Now, things can change. We're barely into the second week. But I don't necessarily even know if Hightower has to go off in the preseason. So long as Guyton does not come back. I'll put it that way. Um it has been a little odd. Do you find are you at all concerned with the lack of emergence of Guyton? And it's been, you know, almost two weeks now. I mean, I haven't heard anything.
0: It- ACLs haven't you know they're never an easy injury to come from to come back from still haven't seen anything from Tito or Austin Johnson as well as they're still recovering from their injuries and you know Staley how he likes to treat injuries there will be a little bit more coddling along the way to where if the player even feels like he can go out and play Staley wants them to be a hundred percent by the time that they get out back out into the field so maybe we hear an update on that by next week I'm not sure but John Hightower is reaping the rewards right now. Everybody, including myself, was eyeballing Pokey Wilson because of the way that he showed up in OTAs and minicamp, got a lot of good time and uh, throw and catches with Justin Herbert during their drills back in the spring. And since then, there really hasn't been much noise. Dan, you you will hear, you know, Darius Shepherd that we heard on the first day of practice. And then here comes John Hightower and then Pokey Wilson just, you know, and maybe shows up for a catch here, but overall just hasn't made the noise that he was starting to make in the springtime. So to your point, I don't think that he necessarily has to ball out. I just think he needs to stay on this track that he's on because there's, there's really nobody right now. That's been more of a standout than him. And if these other players are not able to make their plays, at least to get on the same level of where he's going, it really shouldn't be that hard of a decision as it stands right now. But we'll see what these next few weeks hold, especially when we get to preseason games, because those will be deciding factors, of course.
1: Big Buddha, recent uh, giveaway winner. Uh, a Bull fan, excited for this season and our replacements for the future. LA Original says Mad Max Duggan will be preseason MVP. Mad Max versus Easton Stick. That should be a fun one. Looking forward to that camp battle. Uh, Jake, Jorge asks, should Quentin Johnston get snaps? Yes. Yes. I, I get it. I understand
0: this is, this is spoken like a true Chargers fan who knows the history of injuries when it comes to the plague that it has given this team. But yes, he should. It's time that he goes up against other DBs from other different teams so he can get that type of NFL experience. No doubt about it.
1: Uh, I'm Brandon Staley. We talked about his name a bit. Jorge Rodriguez says, Staley had done some questionable things, echoing what you had said, Jake, like playing a started against Denver last year, but he managed to take last year's battered team to the playoffs. He follows it up. I think Staley is the guy coaches develop. Uh, here's the line. Uh, Von Carr says, for Staley to keep his job, you'll have to take them farther than last year. Now, there's the question. What is the line of the sand? Like, what's the red line that he has to cross that you feel to keep his job. Did they I'm just not- have to get to the
0: divisional round? I'm I'm not sure if it's just to win a playoff game. Because when you look at that, you know, that wasn't like that wasn't a trouncing by the opposing team. That was you were up 27 to nothing and you scored 3 points in the second half. Like that almost feels like it's like okay, if you if you win that first playoff game, it's like okay, well, this is where we should have been last year. So to to me, it's not it's not quite getting over that hump yet. Statistically, it sure might be, but you just kind of feel like God, God we were just here last year, and and we should have won that game. So I'm not so sure that just winning one playoff game is is the line, Dan. I I think that it has to. I think the goal has to be further than that
1: i agree i agree uh lots of topics and thoughts on a one first round pick quinton Johnston, uh jake so we got to get to those but first before we get to that guys pay the bills here let's talk about our friends over at Mit mobile 15 dollars a month you can get premium wireless unlimited data for 15 bucks a month i challenge folks who are in the chat who are watching live go look at your phone bill and tell me how many more dollars it is than 15 dollars for omnitter um, wireless. Uh forty eight seconds from now, we'll be talking about Quentin Johnson, but until then, let's talk about Mint. Mobile.
0: If you've ever thought, why in the world is my wireless bill so damn high, then let me tell you about our friends over at Mint Mobile who we're partnering with for today's video. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network, so they keep costs low by selling directly to you online. They cut out the retail stores and the salespeople. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot. So why should you have to pay for more? More than you have to to access the same network. It only takes 15 minutes to switch, and you'll be paying as low as $15 a month for your phone plan. It really is that simple. So use the link in the description below. Try mintmobile.com backslash charters unleashed to get started. Click the link in the description below or scan the QR code.
1: Quentin Johnston's looking like a stud, says Robert D. Big Buddha asks, Will Quentin Johnston be on the outside or slot putting Keating in the slot? Sheesh. And Jorge Rodriguez says if Quentin Johnson should get – if Jake says Quentin Johnson should get snaps, (laughs) then Quentin Johnson shall get snaps. First of all, let me just
0: talk about this for a second. I I hold no regards or influence over the team whatsoever. I am probably the last person that anybody should listen to when it comes to (laughs) those type of things. Simply just – I'll have a perspective, but nobody should – I'm not telling anybody to listen to it. And I have said plenty of times on this show – I love it when I'm wrong. So, <laughs> we'll see but what you happens. You've been wrong a lot lately, by the way. I do. I have been. And I absolutely it's love it fantastic. because it's all I for the better. <laughs> I, have, I have been wrong about the JC Jackson return timeline for months and months now, and I couldn't be happier about it.
1: <laughs> uh, for folks in the chat, give us your topics, questions. You know how this goes. When you guys stop giving us topics and questions, we stop recording and we go home to our families and watch more football. That doesn't matter because this, this Hall of Fame game seems to be a dud. Uh, Jake, uh, question came in for uh, biggest surprise and least favorite outcome so far in camp. Asked Scott Childs, favorite uh, you know, surprise, least favorite outcome.
0: I don't think there's just been one surprise, Dan. I don't. I, I think it's hard to just limit it to that. We talked about John Hightower already being the surprise of that. Wide receiver six contest. Uh, I'm not sure how much of a surprise it it is to see Quentin Johnson after what he was doing in the springtime. It's like it was kind of a tease, but then you go out there and you see it, and you're just kind of like, whoa! Especially day one, Dan, when you and I saw him catch the pass on the flat far side of the field and then proceeds to outrun about four defenders, 20 yards down the field for a guy that big to just have the type of athleticism that he has. I mean, you're seeing everything that maybe you didn't get a chance to see enough of when he was a TCU last year. And maybe people forgot about that skill set that he had Uh, Keenan Allen doing Keenan Allen things. I said it when we saw this offensive line, it's not really a surprise thing, but it did put a big smile on my face. To see Jamari Sawyer and Trey Pipkin standing next to one another on the right side of that line is just, that's a lot of man. That's a lot of beef over there. And that, that duo could, could do some damage to opposing defenses. Um, defensively, Dan, I think it's just this overall competition with the secondary. I mean, the response, I think, is the biggest thing. Moreover, the the overarching storyline of trading camp has just been the back-and-forth competitiveness between the offense and the defense. Yesterday, we finally had a day where it seems like, okay, since day one, the offense really kind of got the better of the defense. And then from that point on, it's been a back-and-forth, back-and-forth, back-and-forth. And And then the defense apparently won the day yesterday at practice completely. But I think it's just this aspect that you're seeing of – whether we're talking individual players or offensive and defensive units, when one does something, the other one comes back and does another one. And as we've said it, as Daniel Popper said it, it's kind of been like a heavyweight fight. So to see Dean Leonard, Dan, who we saw very early in camp, just kind of being the brunt of Justin targeted. Herbert and X wide receiver. And then he comes out earlier this week and he has five pass breakups. Just Taylor. I not like it with more, by the way. Yeah. Just hear Taylor for all the inconsistencies that people want to say about what he's having in camp. He's coming back and he's responding. He closed out a couple practices with a couple pass breakups. Asante Samuel Jr. is you can't help but be impressed what he's doing, especially just when it comes to this competition for the star role. Um, he is really showing out. So I just love seeing a lot of this youth. And then Dan, how about Kenneth Murray? Kenneth Murray. Who has garnered a lot of praise from fellow linebacker Eric Kendricks, Sebastian Joseph Day, Brandon Staley yesterday. Those are names that you want to hear of players progressing. So these this, there's plenty to be surprised and happy with with this team right now.
1: Yeah, I would probably, if I had to give a couple, I would probably say. Alohi Gilman's been kind of a fun surprise because I think going into training camp I think everyone thought there might be a camp battle between him JT woods who knows there might be another safety coming in which they hell there still might be but seeing how good he's been has kind of put a lot of those concerns and risk conversations that even you and I had talked about kind of to rest now could they still go out and do something for depth purposes sure but I think Alohi Gilman is again if we're we talked about this before. I think the two question marks on this defense, again, this doesn't mean good or bad, but question marks are Kenneth Murray Jr. as L linebacker two, and whoever the safety was next to Derwin James. And if Elohi Gilman can be that safety and he's playing the way he's playing right now, again, he saw an interception he had what, two days ago? He's been balling out, and Daniel Popper talked about in a recent article that he's one of the most instinctual players he's ever seen. Um, then all that means is Kenneth Murray, which I think we should probably get to that. Jake, uh, Daniel Popper talked about kind of yesterday's takeaways, and you mentioned some of the guys that have gotten praise: Asante Samuel Jr., Kenneth Murray, Morgan Fox. All three of those guys uh, had some splash plays, but Asante Samuel Jr they were doing a two minute drill for folks who didn't watch or listen to this or read the article uh, at the very end of the two minute drill to end camp or to me, end practice. Asante Samuel jr. Had three pass breakups in one series, all against Quentin Johnston, all in the red zone, all to end the offensive drive and the period. Asante Samuel jr. Versus Quentin. That's a size differential. And that's in the red zone. That's a big story. That's a lot. And then if you look at Kenneth Murray Jr. Run stuffer yesterday. That's a big deal. That's a good thing. And then Morgan Fox doing Morgan Fox things. I think that's two days in a row he's had a stack. And you mentioned it. The defense won the day, it seemed. And that was the first time that one side of the ball seemed to kind of run away with it. So a lot of surprises, a lot of excitement. But I think you know we talked about kind of the biggest storyline is for me, it's just like it's a gridlock and in the best of ways. Uh, question came in here about the training camp and it being grueling. Jorge asks, as far as you guys know, why is training camp so tough? And why do players find it so grueling? I've heard training camps aren't fun for players. Jake, what say you?
0: Well, when we were out there, it was really hot. <laughs> it was really hot when we were out there last Wednesday. Uh, so I couldn't imagine being someone in pads playing in the California heat the way it is right now. It just its not pleasant. But overall, I mean... I think this is I think this question is fair to a certain degree, where it's like, you know, the veterans, the what guys who have gone out and done it for years and years and years, it's like, you know, just riding a bike again and going through the motions type thing. You know, you're probably and you know, as certain players go, you're probably not gonna play in the preseason, but for other guys, you know, you're playing for to get yourself established in the league. So if you're a veteran and you know you're getting pushed by another rookie time to and you know lift up the intensity a little bit or guys are going to go out there and at times because their roster spot might be in jeopardy they're going to push a little bit harder so i think it's there's a fine line to ride with that question i don't think that all players train training camp i've heard that same thing as well when you have vets that have been in there from you know, 10 plus years that don't like doing it. I always notably remember Tony Saragusa saying how much he hates training camp and getting (laughs) ramped up for it and having to do the whole conditioning test. I mean, but Dan, who, who was it that, um, I couldn't remember for which team, but it was one of their offensive linemen that went out and did the conditioning drills for the wide receivers and apparently yeah, on accident. And he just blew, he blew everybody away when, when camp opened. Lost lost some weight in the process while doing it, but all, all by accident. So, you know, training camp, I think, brings out the best in everybody personally. I don't think it's as built up to as much love-hate as you may think it is. I think there's a gray area, but in general, it's just getting back at the swing of things to football.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that can probably get old, and which could lead to some of the chippiness and some of the whatever you want to call it is the fact that you're going up against the same guys over and 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 over over again for like six weeks. And the guys you're going up against are guys that are trying to keep their job and fight for a job. And so like everyone or most on the roster are desperate. And so when you have desperation and athleticism and a competition against same guys, over and over and over and over again. Like That's what gets grueling. It's kind of like Groundhog Day, but it's like the most physical Groundhog Day day in and day out. Uh, There was a question here about K9, Kenneth Murray. Has Kenneth Murray actually been looking good in camp? And if he does good this season, would you resign him since we declined his tag? It's a loaded question. Uh, Two-part. K9 has been looking better in camp for sure. I think his instincts have been on display a little bit better this year than last. You, you mentioned it, Jake, a lot of players and coaches have talked about his improvements this year over last uh, Eric Kendricks has talked about his improvements. Sebastian Joseph today has talked about his improvement. If he does good this season, would you resign him? I don't know. Like I said, 10 minutes ago,
0: I, I am in no way, shape or th- form an authority on what this team should do, because especially if you're talking about the linebacker position, Kaiser White, not re-signed. Drew Tranquil, not re-signed. So how does this team necessarily value the linebacker positions? Well, we've kind of gotten an idea of that.
1: Shennad Wosu. But, Adrian
0: Phillips, time will tell. And not that I'm trying to poo-poo anything of Kenneth Murray's early preseason, because it's, it's, it's a very good early indicator. I think Eric Kendricks is going to do wonders for Kenneth Murray this season. Because all the issues that we have talked about with Kenneth Murray over the last three years has all been from a mental standpoint. Physically, he has all the gifts to go out there and do what he needs to do. That's what made him noticeable in college. Even Eric Kendrick said that he has never played with a linebacker like him at 6'2", 250 pounds in the way that he moves out there on the field. If he could just correct some of the mental mistakes that just so happen to take place a little bit too frequently... I think he can have a solid year, but as far as re name goes, I don't know because I also looked at when they brought in Dayon Henley as insurance in a multitude of different ways. Yes,
1: yeah, so we're going to get to James Wagner's question on undrafted free agents here in a second, but beforehand, we'll talk about Deon Henley since he's here right now. Uh, What's going on with Henley? Asked Jason Evelich. I'm terrible with names, by the way, guys and gals, so please, I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. Surprised um, you can re- pronounce my last name. I can't. That's why I don't say it. Uh, what's going on with Henley, Jake? How would you answer that? I mean, he's had, I, I mean, there hasn't been too much said about Henley.
0: He, 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 what we saw, I can't remember if it was the Chargers Twitter that posted it or whoever it was that posted it, but he had a nice pass breakup that was thrown right over the middle. Um, God, when you see Henley in pads, by the way, I mean, I, this isn't a fashion contest, but he is put together, man he looks like (laughs) he's just going to hit somebody and it it may take a while for them to get up. Um, From what I expect from Dan Henley early in this season, and Dan and I have talked about this before, I expect his impact early on to be on special teams. Now, depending on what happens with Kenneth Murray, Dan and I have had our own discussions as far as, okay, well, how many, how many games would it take in order to possibly make a change? And I think we were what around, like six, six or seven, Dan, yeah. if, if, if the consistency lasted that long to where you say, okay, let, yeah, let's let's make the change. Yeah. But I think Dayon Henley is going to be a great contributor for this defense, especially at linebacker. I think he's going to see plenty of time because there really isn't that much depth behind Eric Kendricks and Kenneth Murray. And at some point in time, much like the Chargers have done in the past with their linebackers, they're going to want to rotate them. And especially when you listen to the Chargers linebackers coach, he said in his interview with Eric Smith that he wants two, not one, he wants two standout linebackers. So I truly believe that having that mentality and that type of coaching and player development is get, is going to go go past just zeroing in on Kenneth Murray and Eric Hendricks. It should
1: bleed out into that entire linebacker unit. Yeah, and I honestly think, the little amount you're hearing about Dayon Henley goes to show the impressions that Kenneth Murray has shown so far. Because in theory, they're kind of fighting for that spot, but it doesn't seem like that's an even close proximity to being a fight right now. And I think it was Eric Kendrick or Sebastian Joseph Day both kind of saying, like, yeah, Dayon Henley, like he's got all the tools, but like he's still a rookie. And you hear them talk about Dayon Henley that's a little different than the way they're talking about Kenneth Murray right now. And look, Kenneth Murray took four plus years to get together. If he gets it together this year. So to expect a linebacker year one, uh, to unseat him, it's going to be an uphill climb for sure. James Wagner, Jake, let's get to the undrafted free agents. James Wagner asks, has any undrafted free agent been standing out with the potential to make the 53? I know there's not a lack of depth anywhere. Undrafted free agents. We're not talking about guys who have another team, but undrafted free agents specifically. I would
0: probably say that the one that I believe it has shown up the most in, and and it's not even by much, is Cam Brown.
1: That's what I was thinking.
0: Out of Ohio State, the cornerback. Uh, I have heard more reports around him than anything else. We all expected to see something from Pokey Wilson. Gerard Clark is one of my personal favorites, as I know a lot of, a lot of other people. But the tough thing about both Pokey Wilson and Gerard Clark is, is they're at positions right now that are ridiculously, ridiculously jam-packed with other players trying to make the roster as well. So we'll have to see what these next few weeks have in store. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting. Again, I would love to see a guy like Gerard Clark to have with with that type of body frame be in there in the middle and help out a run defense that greatly needs somebody like that. I just don't know because there's there's a lot of talent at the nose tackle spot. I mean, it's it's gonna be a war trying to cut that unit itself down in the 53 man roster. Same goes for wide receiver, same goes for defensive back. I mean, there's a lot of positions that really just have a lot of players log jam in there. So I, I don't, I mean, as, as it goes on more and more, Dan, like maybe AJ Finley, that's one that you could say because maybe. you, you have a little bit of a question mark at safety, but Raheem Lane has come on. So that might close that gap up rapidly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's, it's too early to tell. Unfortunately, right now, there just hasn't been the, number of standouts that maybe you would see by this point in time.
1: A couple thoughts on uh, JC Jackson uh, that have come into the chat here. Uh, Let's get to some of these. Uh, Josh asks, can't believe, well he says, can't believe there isn't more talk about JC Jackson playing in the slot, which Jake will talk about that in a second. And then Anthony says, JC Jackson thoughts. Will he show up after that contract and injury or will show out with a bust? So, first part do you do you foresee JC Jackson in the slot? Second part. How are you feeling about him so far this this camp?
0: No, see, no JC Jackson in the in the slot. That that start position is going to be a rotation between Sante Samuel Jr. and Jasir Taylor. Only way,
1: you, I'll, I'll say the only way he does do the slot is if he's following someone from the outside into the slot. Sure, but it still would be man to man. But sure, I I think the Chargers
0: learned from their mistakes last year and how they deployed. JC Jackson, but I think it was actually a twofer because if we all remember, not just the injury that took him out during the Seattle game, which ended his season last year, Dan during training camp, I think everybody forgets this is that during training camp last year, JC Jackson was on fire. And then all of a sudden we hear this random report that he has to go in for foot surgery to remove some type of bone spurt in his, in his foot, which essentially kept him out For the remainder of training camp, which at that point in time, it was about three and a half weeks. And I don't feel like, A, he fully was 100% when he came back from that. And because of that, I felt like Brandon Staley and Derek Ansley, the secondary coach at the time, deployed differently in order to compensate for that. So they took him out of what he was used to in New England in his man-to-man scheme and they ran more of a zone-style defense, which obviously wasn't the best for J.C. Jackson. It wasn't necessarily the best thing for the Chargers to run anyways. And then the one week that they choose to put him back into man-to-man coverage because J.C. at that point in time was acknowledging that his play had been bad, of course he goes down. Of course. You cannot, if anything, whether this season ends up working out for J.C. Jackson or not, you can't, you can't knock the, the man's work ethic. Because his work to get back to training camp in general, when Tom Telesco said back in March, that, yeah, we expect him back at training camp. It's like, wait, what? Excuse me? After what he suffered? And it's not so much the recovery time, because yes, the recovery time has him right online, but it's with his injury, and players have come back from that, but players have never performed the same after that. That's the difference. And when you're a cornerback, When you need every aspect of cutting, your speed, everything to go out there and perform, it really is a testament to his hard work. Now, I expect him from everything that you have heard him say publicly in the media that, like Khalil Mack was last last year, he's hungry. He's hungry. He's got something to prove this year. 100%. Uh,
1: Jake, I'm going to let you drive these comments here for a bit. Uh, I'll end it with this one. El Chief says... Jake the Tank. Jake, if you call it a tank, look at you getting swole. Uh, fix his lighting today. References. I think there was one live show that we did that you had set after the fact. Oh, yeah, lighting's a little dark. Uh, always good and informative podcast. Thanks, guys, and cheers. And then Jorge Rodriguez says, Jake the Great, followed by Dan the Man. Jake, how many times have you been called Jake the Great? That's probably a first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I... I <laughs> thank you, but... <laughs> There's, there's no validity to that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake,
1: where do you go from here?
0: i trying to think of other storylines that we necessarily haven't seen. I guess maybe what would you want to continue seeing as we get in here to week two, Dan? Babe, we, we, We've talked about everything in camp, essentially, that we've seen those storylines. But as we move toward closer to the Chargers' first preseason game, I would say, okay, What's, what's the competition, obviously, still to watch? What do you expect to ramp up now with the pads being on? We saw a little bit of that from this running back unit, finally That's being able right. to see them. You get to see, finally, the guys in the trenches hitting each other <laughs> for real. So we could actually make somewhat of a notable takeaway from this.
1: I would say, so the thing that I would like to see as training camp continues um Darius Davis we know what he could do in special teams but I do want to see the him get more action and more experience like on offense and we've seen him out there and just get manhandled by opposing corners and safeties I think it was Raheem Lane that was going up against him in the red zone and should have got interception just kind of bullied him down to the ground um we haven't seen much of him in like his gadgetry but how much of that we'll see I'm not sure I really want to see Jalen Guyton get back out there because I think that's going to help shore up a lot of questions around like the back end of that wide receiver roster interior defensive line. Can he start getting some of these guys back? Like Austin Johnson. We saw him out there working out. Like he's, it seems like he's close. You're going to need him. Tito. Hopefully we can get him back here as well. Question about the whole kicking competition. Like, what's going on with Justin Hopkins? Is he okay? Is this just a schedule thing? But I'll end it with kind of the running back thing. I I think running game on both sides is probably the one component that we really haven't gotten to see much of or get answers to. Who is going to be running back to? Like, who can take the reins and actually produce as a running back to? Like, not just be the de facto and then it's Eckler's show again. And then on the flip side, like, can we actually see an improved running defense? And a lot of that you won't see until preseason joint practices, probably when you're going to start seeing that kind of stuff. But those are probably the things that I would look forward to, but maybe the other one, I guess if I had to add another one, cause I don't think the Quentin Johnson, Josh Palmer storyline is really, really all that interesting to me, in my opinion, cause I don't think it really matters in the Kellen Moore offense. It's an interesting way of three, four interesting way of putting it. I I just, I just don't think it matters. Cause like they're different receivers, different archetypes, different styles that they can be used by Kellen Moore on the flip side. And Daniel Popper talked about like how that's a little bit different, a little nuance, but the CB three star money slot role that camp battle has been like box office. And I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. is making it awfully hard for Jason, for Jazeer Taylor to take that job. And a lot of people, Dana Popper mentioned that he thought that it was Jazeer Taylor's job to lose. Now, whether or not that's true is kind of irrelevant when you see Asante Samuel Jr. doing what he's doing. And both guys have gotten praise from the coaching staff. Asante Samuel Jr has gotten a lot more repetition uh in the slot on the inside. I just I've maintained I just don't know how Asante Samuel Jr is not going to be a starter. And Jake, I think where you and I landed on this is I wouldn't be surprised if their snap count stays relatively equal throughout the season. Like, I think they'll both be used situationally. But I'm not necessarily sure if one is going to have that much more of a showing in the stat sheet than the other. Would you agree? I I would
0: agree with that. And I hearken back to, I'm so excited just for, not just for this camp battle, but for this secondary in general. Because I think that this is exactly what Brendan Staley was planning on doing last year before J.C. Jackson was hurt. Because remember, last year you had J.C. Jackson, Bryce Callahan, Asante Samuel Jr. and Mike Davis. So what was your plan? I mean, at the time, we were all thinking and talking about Michael Davis as CB4, which is just wild to see where that's come from a year later. You have now this group between J.C. Jackson, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr. and Jaseer Taylor. This can finally get back to Staley rotating this secondary group, being multiple, being versatile, throwing so many different looks at opposing offenses. I I quoted it as saying, get get out of the predictable packages, if you will. Get yourself out of running so much zone defense. This will harken back to the days of when Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams because in that unit, there was so much young secondary talent to go along with. Uh, oh my gosh, why am I all of a sudden blanking on the cornerback's name? Uh, kill me. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. There was so much young cornerback group, uh, youth in that group that wasn't even, we're not even talking about number one picks. We're talking about guys that were taken in the fourth and fifth round. And he was able to develop them and deploy them in the defense that he wanted. So I think that this is exactly what Staley's going to try to do. And again, you look at this and I, I personally, I love this. And I think that this is already what's been deployed early in camp. And I'm interested just to know what the philosophy was behind this, but there is so much secondary coach experience on this defensive coaching staff. You look at Derek Ansley who was formerly the secondary coach of this team. They promoted Tom Donatel. You go out and you sign, uh, an assistant secondary coach in your roster, Jeff Howard himself, even though he's the linebacker uh, coach for this team, he was previously a secondary coach. So I'm not sure if that's been just an underlying message as far as how they want to build this defensive unit. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you this, as you said, Dan, the competition for it is going to be exciting. But the outcome, the overall outcome of what should come of all this should be really good.
1: Yes, uh, I 100% agree. Uh, James Wagner asked, who are the Chargers doing joint practice with? It is the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints, August 17th and 18th. That is when they were doing it. Steel Cartel asked, how's Guyton doing? No clue. We haven't seen him out there yet. Um, Someone asked about how many drops from the wide receivers. We always see the catches. How were the drops? Who had the most? Tough question to answer. Honestly, I think it depends on if it's during drills or if it's during 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11. Seven, 11 11. Um, I know there was one day that Quinton seemed to have a few drops during drills, but like, how much does that matter? You're seeing some of the ridiculous catches and stuff that like he does. No receiver really has had an issue with drops when it comes to like 11-on-11, 11 11, 7 on sevens. So there really hasn't been, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember there being any glaring drops when... Offense defensive going up against each other in those two sevens or 11s. Would you agree? I,
0: I can't remember that. I know that Quentin Johnson had a couple earlier this week, but again, for someone being a rookie, like those are going to come. It doesn't take away anything that he, you know, good that he has done previously. You just, you have to obviously take care of the little things and eventually that will come. But it, like you said, Dan, it, it's, it's an interesting question because where do these drops take place? Um, It doesn't seem, I I, I mean, hey, I'll say this, if this is the question, I don't think Keenan Allen's dropped a damn thing. (laughs) It doesn't seem like Keenan Allen has dropped a single thing that has come his direction because everything that he's done, he's been at least three to five yards ahead of the closest
1: defender (laughs) around him. Keenan Allen's been on fire this training camp. This is the best I've seen Keenan Allen in years. Speaking of wide receivers, Jake, I asked this question on X, Twitter, whatever the hell we're calling it these days. Uh, if you were to stack rank, and I'm going to ask these folks, I'm going to ask you guys in the chat, give us your thoughts, comments. If you were to stack rank in terms of targets, I'm going to use I'm going to use the statistic on targets. If you're going to stack rank targets, that you would like to see the Chargers' offensive weapons get, i.e., who's Justin Herbert throwing to? <laughs> Let's go one through five. So. Who should be the most targeted offensive weapon from Justin Herbert this year? Okay, well, spoiler alert.
0: In that category, it should not, but for the better, it should not be Austin Eckler. Agreed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. We should not see a repeat of 107 catches from last year. That is that is a given. Uh, and it'll be interesting, Dan, because on how you weigh these targets, well, how many of these passes are going... 30 yards downfield and what's the yak after them and how many of them are for scores. Like that's the difference in what this whole offensive scheme is really going to change. Cause if you told me that we were still in Joe Lombardi system right now, I mean, I wouldn't even be able to do the math. I really wouldn't, but in this one, so who's one, let's go real quick. Who's one. You still go with Keenan Allen. Yes, I think the report, one, I I can, yeah, that rapport is just too strong. I can understand why that is your number one look every single time. I think 2-3 is going to be two, interesting. 2-3 two, is kind of a toss-up. Uh, I, I still say that this is going to be reminiscent of the Mike Williams, Tyro Williams days or the Vincent Jackson, Malcolm Floyd type days where you have two big-bodied guys like that on the outside. And now with Kellen Moore at the offensive helm, they should be seeing their fair share of targets. And then, yeah, number four is probably going to be Joshua Palmer. But that's a strong number four. It, I hate it, well, I don't know. Hold on, I, hold on, hold on. Four, you're putting four
1: as Palmer? I mean, maybe this is me just kind of like going wide receiver wide. Yeah, receiver, we're not no, I'm going receiver. all of them. i going all of them. Eckler's in this, Parham's in this, Everett's in this. Okay. Keenan Allen, I'll I'll give the edge to Mike Williams.
0: Quinn Johnson right behind him. Let's put Austin Eckler at four. Let's put Joshua Palmer at five.
1: Above Everett. I was just about to put Everett right behind him. So you think your wide, your five is going to have more targets than your tight end one. Whew. This is, I mean,
0: just going through this drill makes you understand <laughs> how ridiculous the targets are around Justin Herbert. It really does because uh-huh. this is why I also tell people to not get, do not put Quentin Johnston's, Stat projections in your head, and if he doesn't hit them, do not look, that, look at that as a letdown. We're talking about one football that I is know. being thrown to distribute to how many weapons. And I didn't even name them all in, the, in that little soliloquy right there. I didn't even name them all. So I, it's I, know, I know it's tough a tough to question. It's it's a it is question. tough to, be, to predict, but I like the way you did this because it really just shows how tough it is going to be out there.
1: I mean I just I have a hard time believing that you're going to see that a tight end not be in the top 5. Eckler was one last year. He's there's no way he's going to be one this year. So I think I think you're right. I think Keenan's one, Mike is two. I
0: put Austin at 3, which
1: I think is more realistic. You're not going to see
0: 107 catches from him, but he'll still get a Bob, fair
1: share. I hope he's like 4 or 5. I think that's what shows if this offense is cooking. Like get him around like the 50-60 range of receptions for the year. We're good. Um the wild the wild card for me is Josh Bomber. Because I think he's going to eat underneath. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Um we're rounding out here on charges, Unleashed live last call for questions and topics. We'll try to go uh, rapid fire here as we go through. Um, Scott W comes in with a nugget. Cowboys finished the season with 22 players. Is that right? That found the end zone. It's a pretty nice distribution. How the hell did do do I don't that? know if this is right.
0: I didn't. I have not <laughs> looked this stat up. But if that's true, that's some damn good. Distribution. Is that including that including defense? <laughs> That's, that's funny. That makes sense. So a whole offensive <laughs> or defensive <laughs> unit essentially scored last year for the Cowboys.
1: That's great. Wow. Okay. Um, Athir says Quentin Johnson will be the second most. Watch and see. Uh, Elijah Dotson, Jake. Joseph Demartini asks, how has Elijah Dotson looked? Has he got any looks?
0: I haven't seen much from Elijah Dotson. And it's, it's been tough and where you'll probably see most of the especially the undrafted rookie running backs that we're talking about here most of those snaps you're probably going to see even in a limited amount you're probably not going to see a bulk of those until the preseason games because right now it, it's it's fun it's it's weird to say this just because Isaiah Spiller essentially had a redshirt season last year and because you didn't give him a game reps for him to go out there and show what he can do. And now obviously this is Kellen Moore uh, getting to coach him for the first time in this offense. There's a lot for him to see out of Isaiah Spiller. So a bulk of these wrecks, are still trying to figure out who the hell is going to win the RB two job between him and Joshua Kelly. So I'm not so sure. And I, Dan, when we were out there, we still in, ended up seeing snaps to Larry Roundtree hmm. and him getting some reps out there. So I really don't know. What the future holds for guys like Elijah Horvath, by the way, him as well. That's another guy you haven't heard a peep from nothing. Uh, yeah. So Elijah Dotson, Tyler Hoosman. I, I do not know what is going to take place for them. If they make any noise, it will probably take place um, in any of the three pieces
1: and games. James Wagner asks, how tight ends? <laughs> I think that's supposed to be a question mark. Uh, how are the tight ends looking? Jake, I was thinking about this last night when I was on my way home from a concert. Uh, I feel like Joan Everett is just like being taken for granted and is just like the forgotten player on this offense.
0: Look what I just did when I ran through that damn drill. Not that I forgot about him. Of course but not. But if you're Justin Herbert, well, like it, you, that, it, you tell me who
1: you're targeting and looking at first. After the two physical scuffles, if you will, maybe that's Gerald Everett saying, oh, what about me? Um, I mean, Gerald Everett could... I mean, you could say that's about seven guys on this offense. Like, Gerald Everett could feast on this offense. But you're just not hearing much about Gerald Everett, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. It's just like, he's just being Gerald Everett, which is a good thing. Uh, Donald Parham Jr. is making some splash plays every now and then. I don't know if you agree with this. But it seems as though tight ends have been less of a focus this first week and a half or two than like the receivers have been. Whether that's purposeful by the coaching staff, whether that's just been what has been covered, what everybody's focusing on, but just go look at like the the headlines of receiver talk versus tight end talk. It just seems like tight ends are kind of forgotten a little bit right now.
0: I don't know if I will go as far as to say forgotten, but I get what you're saying. I think the the day that the Chargers ran the red zone drills, I think you saw more of the tight ends, obviously in that circumstance. And personally, that's what I expected to happen in this Kellen Moore led offense, and especially to run two tight end sets with Gerald Everett and Donald Parham, something that we've been wanting to see for years now, create some of those mismatch opportunities. It'll be interesting to see how that progresses through preseason and the rest of these training camp practices. I get you, but I don't feel like they've been truly forgotten. I think in an Ackelman Moore led offense,
1: I don't, never... I don't mean actually forgotten. I just right? No, like... no, no.
0: But I, I, I get what you're saying. Is as, as far as like th- they're going to see their time. Yes, and and people will see it, and people will talk about it.
1: Uh, let's go to a little rapid fire here. Shaggy Wraith says, "Can Hightower make it on special teams?" Thought about this today too. Can he? Like at the gunner. I don't
0: know because I I cannot recall that. I mean, maybe his, in early in his rookie season with the Eagles, did they have him playing special teams? I don't recall him ever playing gunner. If anything, um, I don't know. I don't think that that's. I don't think that would be the
1: spot for him personally. And Jazeer Taylor and Dean Leonard both were really good on special teams last year, so you'd have to unseat them. Uh, Robert D says Herbert could have 500 completions this year to throw around. That's where you go into some of those crazy, ridiculous stat lines that we can see. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Joseph DiMartini asked, you guys going to be at camp on Sunday? It'll be my first time going. For folks who have not gone to camp, or haven't gone in years past, or have gone in years past, I urge you go to camp this year, and you will notice a difference from years past, both on offense and on defense, and size of crowds, by the way. Um, It's a fun time. Jake? You going this weekend?
0: I am going. I will be there on Saturday. So I apologize, Joseph. I will actually miss the day that you were there, but I will be there on Saturday this weekend. So looking forward to it. From what I've looked at, the weather, it's not to be, it's not supposed to be as hot as it was last week. <sighs> Kill me. Uh, but should be a good time.
1: For folks still watching, tuning in, if you have not done so already, please help us out. Take five seconds as you listen to my ugly voice and hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, we're getting close to 5,000, which is crazy that we're almost to 5,000 already. Help us out. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Smash it, if you will. Uh, Jason Jake, as I ran it out here, asks, do you think there will be any free agent pickups? Any? I was just thinking about this. I've, I don't remember a year where you have had this many high-profile free agents still out there, which obviously does the other free agents too, but I, it's just crazy to me. It's just so wild. Do you think there will be any pickups?
0: Dan, I would have thought if they would have done so already. And obviously, everybody's probably thinking about John Johnston being that because that's been the team. Chargers have been the team that he's been linked to ever since he was released. It makes a hell of a lot of sense given the prior relationships with Staley. Pair him next to, to Derwin James. That could be a very formidable safety duo. To me, I feel like if that was the move that the Chargers wanted to do, they would have done it already. So if there is going to be any free agency moves, you may not see something until the final week and a half of preseason when the, when the other teams start making their, their cuts. Because guaranteed, you're going to see some surprise names from other, from other teams that are being released. So the Chargers may want to uh, take advantage of that if and when said player is released. But that's probably how I would look at it right now. It may not happen until the end of preseason.
1: I'm hoping I'm hoping it's an edge player and that's no slight to Thule, to Mac to Bosa to Rumpf, to Morgan Fox to at all. but there's some dudes out there and you, for the price tag that you can get them at now and for how much money they have left, which they had last we saw before the contract of Justin Herbert, which I don't think affects this year. it's like twelve million in space so they have something uh Jason says possibly Melvin Ingram hell. I'd be down. Again, we're talking depth piece. I'm not talking starter. But like Yannick Ngakwe is still out there. Jadavian Clowney is still out there.
0: Well, sorry to spoil it for you, Dan, but Yannick Ngakwe, as of 10 minutes ago, is no longer out there. Oh, who do you side with? One year, $10.5 million deal with... Bay not be AFC West. Don't be AFC West. <laughs> it's, it's not the, the the Chicago Bears.
1: Cool. Happy about that. Oh, we get to play against him. Great. Okay. But he's out of the NC West, so that's good. (laughs) Honestly, I was actually curious. Once one happens, I always kind of predicted once one goes, this thing might go quickly. So interesting. Interesting. Goes to the Bears. I like it. Uh, Okay. Rapid fire here. Last few questions. Last call for folks. We're going to go maybe two or three more minutes. Uh, Jake, do you see? Where was the question here? I missed it. Uh, Herbert, 5,000 yards passing. Over, under. I'll go over. Ah, there we go. Look at optimistic Jake. Uh, 7414 asks, what linebacker has the most tackles at the end of the season?
0: Linebackers. Whew. You have to still kind of lead with Eric Hendricks on this one, just based off of what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But I this is what I would definitely like to be wrong on, for sure. If it meant that Kenneth Murray was doing it, sure. That'd be great. But <laughs> speaking of this, Dan, this just reminds me of Derek Ansley's comments earlier this week when someone asked him about specifically how has JT Woods been in practice when it comes to tackling? And Derek Ansley gave a very good response. We were talking about, well, on defense, all of our tackling needs to be improved. It's <laughs> just like it was skirting the question, but also being very real about the situation to say, like, well, hey, we all need to improve in tackling. So he, he, he's not wrong on both, on both sides of it. He's
1: not. Uh there was a question here asking, I can't pull it up, but they said, Have we seen five wide inch camp so far? Dan. Have we? Uh yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, it just makes me giggle. I'm so excited that we finally are seeing this. Makes, it makes you smile.
0: It makes you smile when you see it.
1: It does. Uh, this has been fun. Went a little long today, but appreciate everybody kind of coming in with their comments, questions, making this thing fun. Uh Jake Hefner. What's the score of the football game right now, by the way? I don't
0: know. I, it's playing in there. It's, I, when I left it, it was six to nothing. Anybody have a score <laughs> data for me? I, I I see nothing right now.
1: <laughs> I see nothing. I know nothing. Uh, Jake, anything else want we'll to tell great friends of Chargers Unleashed and LA Football Network before we get out of here with the beverage?
0: Guys, this first week of training camp has been great. Uh, it's been always fun doing these live shows. I know Dan and I need to be doing more of them. I know for the bolt show that is taking place on September 2nd, Dan and I will be doing a live show for that at the location. So if you guys are in the area, make sure to go out, get your tickets. This is going to be a huge event when it comes to player signings. I don't know that Dan and I have heard of one that has been this big in the last couple of years that is taking place locally. So um, very much encourage you guys to go out and do this. If you want to join, it's going to be a great afternoon out there in Anaheim Um, excited for the preseason, excited just to get out there on the field and see the fans back. And Hey, Dan, Again, football is back.
1: Gotta love it. Oh, I love it. Robert D. in clutch. Jet 16. Browns 14.
0: Okay, so points were scored. All right. so At least uh, we kind of... <laughs> seems like we got a game, I
1: guess. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, Jake, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, I love doing live shows. It's always engaging with all the listeners, viewers, fans. Uh, James Wagner comes in to have an awesome weekend. Bolt Nation Uh, For Jake Hefner, Dan Wolkenstein, Chargers Unleashed, fans of Chargers Unleashed, Chargers, LA Football Network, guys, gals, thank you so much for tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed. Have a good night, folks.